This is the Dynamic Thinking Project, themindtechinstitute.com. I would like to start this episode with a few questions for you. And I would like you to be honest and I would like your honest answers. Did you think about your lifestyle in the last week? Did you exercise as much as you had planned? Did you sleep as much as you intended? Did you eat more than you wanted to? I think most of you did most things and I'm too for the most part, especially the sleeping part. So I'm telling you a story today about how we have vastly overestimated our ability to control or better say to manage our conscious behavior. I'm going to be talking about eating and obesity, but you could substitute that for other behaviors. We all suffer from a form of lack of management over certain areas in our life. No one is perfect. So we have this strong ideology in our culture of personal control. And this led big consequences that shapes our society. This has led us to allowing certain things like the food industry completely populating our food environment with mostly unhealthy food and junk food. And of course, we still have options for healthy food a little bit here. If we go out of the way, if we spend more money, such as um, for healthier food choices and organic, if such thing exists. So what matters and what's important in our society is that we have free choice. We can choose to choose the healthy food. We can choose to stop eating on time. Basically, it's all up to us. So how's that working for you? Now, I'm sure most of you will agree with me. This is a disaster. The majority of our population is overweight or obese, and none of them want to be. If you want to see some crazy statistics, all you have to do is just read my book, The Day We Gave Up Health. You see, we view obesity as a problem of lack control. We view it as a personal failure or moral laws and if we are obese or overweight, we probably feel guilty or shame because we believe we should have ultimate control of our behavior. And I would like to tell you that this ideology that we run our society on is wrong. And we need to rely on science and not ideology to understand behavior. So there is a big elephant in the room, and that is we are not in full control. We have limited uh, capacity for conscious control. And if we can accept this and admit, and of course, to be honest with ourselves first, we can think of more creative solutions to shape our environment, to help us gain more control and have more effective solutions. So, what do we know about control? Well, according to psychology, it turns out we have limited control because of our self-management. And of course, our willpower is a limited resource. And if you have done the um, hypnotherapy training with us, the online hypnotherapy or in-class hypnotherapy training with us, you will know more about willpower and how 
willpower is very, very limited resource. So our willpower gets worn out if we go through a day of resisting this and resisting that. Okay, I'm trying not to get on Facebook or Twitter or whatever because I have to do this or I have to do that. Or you say, for example, I'm not going to walk into the kitchen. Uh, I'm not going to suppress my anger on the road because people drive like insane and they are driving me insane. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going, I'm not going to say that. All of that work depletes our resources. And at the end of the day, we do what we don't want to do. So experiments have shown this and this happens in natural life. So we are vulnerable to uh, our environment. Now think about it. If your stress is a huge factor, or actually I'm going to talk about stress and how it affects weight and how it impairs our control. Think about coming to work. And when you're in the middle of um, a deadline, you're very stressed out. What else happens? You haven't slept much. That impairs control. You may be skip breakfast. You have low glucose in your brain that dramatically impairs control. And then you're multitasking. And when we don't have full focus attention, we don't have full control. So all of that together leads to failures of our leading the fulfilling uh, intentions that we want or we want to. So we really feel like we're steering the car and it's just us, but we're not. We're really often on autopilot. I'm going to ask you right now, what are you thinking? Where are your thoughts? Many of you are either in the past or the future. Or maybe if I asked you five minutes ago, uh, before I demanded your attention, maybe you would not be present. So we often spend our time in not fully conscious behavior. And our brain is more responding to the environment. So we are on autopilot most of the time. Let me give you an example about the effect of stress and control and how it's affecting the obesity epidemic by peering into the young life of, let's say, a five years old. Let's say a five years old baby. She's healthy. She feels invulnerable. She has ambitious plans for her life. She's self-confident. But all that changes. So her parents fight. She sees the arguments. Sometimes she's in the middle of them. She blames herself. And then they get divorced. She gets depressed and lonely. Their finances change. She lives with her mother who becomes unemployed. So all of this has led to a different brain and different thoughts. Let's say five years later, now she's 10 years old. She's no longer self-confident. In fact, she's a bit depressed and lonely and socially isolated. What happens to the stress brain? The stress brain is a hungry brain. And so she eats and overeat and she has emotional hunger and she becomes obese. So this happens. This is a common story. Let's first look into what's been happening in her fat cells. We are what we eat plus what is eating us. So stress shapes our fat cells and it's not just the calories in. 
But the insulin and the cortisol blow up those fat cells and those fat cells in turn release chemicals that impair our health inflammation. For example, that causes metabolic disease so she develops abdominal fat. She wants control so she tries to diet and she tries everything. She tries the liquid diet, she tries the frozen diet, the low carbs diet and they all in the long run fail, even the grass diet fail. So she feels like a complete failure. She's more depressed, she cannot control her body, and so she tries not to think about food. The thoughts come back even more. That's how our brain works. The dieting myth and the dieting industry has made more money on this illusion selling the illusion of self-control. Did you know around $575 billion globally, as in 2015, according to research conducted by the um, Global Wellness Institute, that's how much the dieting industry, the healthy food dieting industry, growth by 2015. $575 billion. So let's jump when she's a young adult. She gets pregnant. Her new goal in life, her biggest intention is to take care of her pregnancy and have a healthy baby. But little does she know that she is transmitting risk to her baby through her pregnancy. Her uncontrollable obesity is shaping the baby's brain and that causing epigenic changes which genes are expressed and her baby is coming out with lots of risks for diseases. Her baby is not coming out with a clean slate. I know this is very disturbing and I know it's for all of us. But we know now this phenomena is shaping the public health and it's called intergenerational transmission. And I should mention that stress and depression are also transmitted to the fetus. Just keep in mind if you don't know that. So those are ways uh, stress affects uh, fat cells and affects the developing fetus. So now let's see what's happening in the brain. We have an area in the brain which is the control center of our brain. For example, it's why can't we just say no to food? Doesn't work with drugs and it doesn't work with food. And that's because that stop button. You see, our ability to inhabit unwanted behavior is in the prefrontal cortex area. And that prefrontal cortex area is shut off during stress. Stress impairs the dendritic function of the neurons in the prefrontal cortex. When you cannot think well and uh, problem solving during stress, it's real. And we know what it is on a cellular level. So it's the stress brain that dominating for that young girl. And what we need to know about this emotional stress brain is that stress and reward that pleasure centers are best friends. They are interconnected, more highly stressed or stimulating our reward system and we want immediate relief, comfort food, high fat, high sweet, high salt food does wonders to the brain. It's a drug and it does calm the brain. We know it produces cortisol. More about that in details in my book. 
I highly recommend you read the book if you're interested in such topic or if you want to learn more about it. You see, we used to have the great R&R, which is rest and relaxation. The connection with nature, connection with people, but sadly, now the world today is different. We're all under more stress than we think. The bills, the job, the constant competition, all that. We are overstimulated. We are in the area of a new type of stress reactivity and then seek and reward to get out of that state. You know, there has always been different types of stresses, but we now carry them around our head. So how does this affect how we respond to, let's say, donuts? Let's go back to that young girl. Now she's at work. It's a stressful day. She's on low voltage on uh, her control center of the prefrontal cortex, high voltage in the limbic brain. She walks by the break room where they having break. Someone generously provided beautiful donuts and her thought is, mmm, <laughs> delicious. Before she knows it, one has disappeared into her body. She maybe noticed the uh, first bite and now she feels bad. Now she feels guilty. And of course, the more guilty she feels, the more bad she feels, that's more stress. And more stress requires more food to calm the brain down. So how can we fix that, you may ask? Well, if she wasn't stressed, if she was able to use her prefrontal cortex more, she would have had um, a better working memory and, and she would have a dialogue Something like, um, that's really good, that donut, but it's going to make me feel bad. My diabetes is getting worse and I want to be healthy for my baby and for her grandchildren. That will give her enough space to walk away from the impulse. Working memory offline during stress, we're not able to have that dialogue and use that ability. Now, how can we make the irresistible resistible? You see, there are a lot of information in my book, The Day We Gave Up Health. But briefly, you will learn something called mindful eating. So our brain works in a way that we can eat unconsciously. We don't need a gram of attention to eat. We need to train ourselves to check in through the day and be more mindful. Our attention shapes our experience and it shapes our control and our ability to fulfill our intentions. This will develop a sense of checking in every food getting in your system. Changing your brain activity will reduce the stress state and then check in with your thoughts. This is called the bluff on those critical thoughts. And then you check in with hunger, so you'll be able to make a more conscious decision about whether you want to eat mindfully. There are lots and lots of information in my book, The Day We Gave Up Health. It's available on Amazon and website, themindtechinstitute.com. I wish, I really, really wish if I can tell you everything in it. But as usual, time runs quickly and we're about to reach our runtime. Thanks for listening. If you have any question, please email me. The email is on our website, 
themindtechinstitute.com and don't forget to like, share and subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. Until next time, take care.